You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. last 100 years, I believe one of the biggest epidemics has hit the church and the most devastating. I'm not talking about COVID-19 or any medical disease. Actually, what I'm talking about is the epidemic of stuckness. That's right, stuckness. The unfamiliar things facing young people, they make us feel stuck, don't they? Stuck in our ways of doing things, stuck in our ways of thinking and being, they make us feel afraid. Afraid to do or say the wrong thing. Afraid to just be wrong. Ultimately, it leaves us paralyzed to do nothing but keep them at a distance. Generation after generation, we've grown up from being teenagers with high expectations, visions, and dreams to adults who, if we're honest, have become a bit jaded, or as we like to call it, realistic. (laughs) What I really want to do today, though, is give us a fresh vision and a hope about how the generations can get unstuck and learn how to respect, care for, and move forward to better the kingdom together. Back in November, I felt like God was telling me to read Matthew 25. So I opened my Bible, got something to write with and something to write on, and I began to read. So right now, I encourage you to do just that. Get your Bible, something to write with, and something to write on. As I read the three parables, what I noticed were the UNs, the uns. Uns like unprepared, unproductive, and unaffected. We're going to dive into Matthew 25 together. And as I read through, I invite you to take notes of the uns that you see. So Matthew 25, starting in verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamp, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time and coming. And they became drowsy and they fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all of the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. We are going out. Ours are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and for you. Instead, go go to those who sell oil and get some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom came, the virgins who were ready went in to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. When the others returned, they said, Lord, Lord, open the doors for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. We notice two groups here, the foolish and the wise. The foolish have found themselves unprepared for the call to wait on the bridegroom. Now, they brought their lamps, 
but they haven't brought their oil to keep them burning. The waiting has now taken longer than they expected, and they find themselves again unprepared, and their lamps are burning out. Several years ago, when Christopher was still the youth pastor, we took our students on a camping trip. And Chris and I kind of had a routine of how we would plan these trips. Step one was to go eat at Miyabi Jr. That was a very important step. We could not skip it, right? Somehow, we would go to this restaurant, and God would always show up before these trips and help us meet someone or give us this vision of what the retreat should be. And it always made it better. Step two was to divide and conquer the long list of things you have to do to take teenagers on a trip. For this trip in particular, I had been given the job of grocery shopping. Now, I have to make a note here. Up until this point, our youth group had consisted mainly of teenage girls, but that had quickly been changing. So as I went to the grocery store, I shopped like I normally would for these trips lugged my bags into the car, and within a few hours, we were headed to the campsite. By the next morning after breakfast, we were running out of food quickly. What Christopher and I realized is that feeding teenage boys versus teenage girls takes a lot more food than we expected. Those of you who have had teenage boys, say amen. Amen. We found ourselves, like those in our story, unprepared for the journey and having to go and spend money for what we needed. I've heard Carolyn say this to me regarding building and planning projects. They always take longer and cost more than you expect. I have to confess to you that too often I've showed up with my lamp but not enough oil to keep it burning. What I mean is that I've often showed up with my natural ability to connect to students, my leadership skills, but when discipleship takes longer and it costs more of my heart, I've found myself unprepared. I've lacked the Holy Spirit oil to keep me going for the journey. Too often we show up with our own expectations of what we think is possible And we feel frustrated and discouraged and unprepared when the change we want to see and are praying for takes longer than we thought. A few weeks ago, I got the privilege of going to Asbury um, in Kentucky and experiencing the revival that was taking place there. One of the most beautiful things about it was how it began and how it continued to be fueled by confession and repentance. Church, if we want to be prepared for caring for each other across generations, we have to get on our knees and confession. We have to repent of the ways that we have allowed our pride to leave us unprepared for the long obedience required to love others. Let's go back to our scripture. This next parable, uh, you can follow along with me. I'm going to tell it to you like a story. So we have a master who is going away, and he has three servants that he's going to entrust his wealth to. To one, he's going to give five bags of gold, another two, and the last one bag of gold. I love that the scripture points out that he gave to them based on their ability. The master had to know them. He had to know their hearts and what they were capable of to give based on their ability. I love that part. So to the ones he gave five and the ones he gave two, they went and they put their money to work. 
They invested it, and they doubled what had been entrusted to them. The last, though, he finds himself unproductive with what's been entrusted to him. I wonder what is holding this man, what is inside of his heart that's made him unproductive. We know at least some of it is fear. He even tells his master, I was afraid, and so I went and I hid your gold. I also wonder if, like so many of us, he felt stuck and afraid. We, personally, have been entrusted with something, yet we feel inadequate, stuck, and afraid to go and invest it in others. Most of our youth are a part of Gen Z, which are people born between 1997 and 2012. They are among the most connected generation of all time. One study found they spend an, hour, an average of eight hours a day connected to the internet, and three of them primarily on social media. What all this means, that is essentially our young people can be connected to another person via text, internet, social media, FaceTime, 24 hours a day. Yet over 40% of them report feeling lonely most or some of the time. We asked our own students recently to share with us what they wish their parents and adults knew about their lives. And over and over again, they mentioned feelings of being lonely. One wrote, I wish they knew how bad it feels to be alone, surrounded by people, but still feeling alone. So our kids are lonely. Our digital is not helping. They don't need one more text to make it better. They need face-to-face -face presence. They need, in a world of digital, the analog. We're called not just to communicate with each other, but to commune. That's the way that we fight the darkness of loneliness. J. Kim writes in his book, Analog Church, that to commune is primarily about presence. And while we can certainly communicate digitally, we can only commune in the analog. Church, you may feel unprepared to pour into the next generation, but I'm here to tell you, you are exactly the people to do it. Showing up here in the analog, showing up face to face, is already saying, I'm ready, I'm willing. You have been entrusted with gold's worth of knowledge and experience that needs to be poured on those coming behind you. We've not been called to be unproductive with our gifts, our lives, and our testimonies of all God has done. We're called to commune with one another, spending time listening and sharing our stories. Why? Because it's what the master tells his servants. Come and share in your master's happiness. We get to share in our master's happiness when we commune together. That brings us to our last parable in Matthew 25. Again, as I read, make notes of the uns that start to come out. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered to him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the, separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father. 
take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was in need of clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer them, King, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you've done unto me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I was in need of clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. And they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or in need of clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The un that I see here is unaffected. The difference between the sheep and the goats is how they are affected by the hurt, the needs, and the brokenness around them and what they did about it. I was talking to one of our students' parents recently about the concept of being glass half full or glass half empty people. We had to admit to one another that we were probably glass half empty type of people. And on our worst days, not only is the glass half empty, but our sweet tea is soured and there's a hole in the bottom. (laughs) We wondered, had we always been this way or had something changed over time? We both agreed that time and our own lived experience had changed and shifted the way that we thought. Part of that is just how our brains develop. By 25, our brains are fully developed, and so we have not only the full emotions in the back of the brain, but the full logic in the front. And while that logic and lived experience is good, too often logic has made it so that we put a nothing is impossible God into our what we think is possible box. We've allowed our visions and our dreams to shrink. We've allowed ourselves to be unaffected by what God's vision is for us. I want to empower all of you, parents, grandparents, adults with jobs and mortgages. Begin to expand your horizons and your vision for what this part and the rest of your life can be. I want all of us as a community, both young and old, to open our hearts and minds towards a God that cannot be boxed in. This next generation is shaking the world. I truly believe that they have been uniquely anointed to help us to dream again. To help us reimagine the boxes that we put ourselves, the church, and faith into. They literally are shaking the world right now. What happened at Asbury and is happening across college campuses. There's even revival springing up in Uganda connected to the Asbury outpouring. All of that was started 
by people under the age of 25. They are challenging us to be affected by the power and the presence of God. Our job as the older generations is to disciple them, is to walk alongside them, encourage them their gifts, give them the stage to impart our wisdom, to pray for them, and to walk alongside them. Sometimes the road will get bumpy. They will not always get it right. We will not always get it right. When I first started working with the youth group here in 2016, um, as a volunteer, I was three years older than our oldest students and within 10 years of the youngest ones. I was really still living in the pop culture that they were. And so I remember my first night working with a small group. I had two girls moved to tears by the end of our prayer time and a whole host ready to go have coffee. I remember leaving thinking, I'm really good at this. I have totally got this down, like this is where I'm supposed to be. Today, I'm 11 years older than our oldest students and 18 years older than our sixth grader. Long gone are the days of understanding everything. There's always new lingo or new artists and music they want me to learn. There's new dance trends that even when I learn one, there's five more that I've got to learn. Long gone are the days of feeling like the coolest leader in the room, and those thoughts are replaced with Connor's voice telling me that no, he would not like me to hit the gritty, which is one of those dances I learned, and I'm really good at, Connor. (laughs) My point is that I get it. I see you in the room. I see you who feel like you just can't keep up with the next generation, that you feel like you don't understand or can't connect with them students in the room. I get it. When you feel like all the older people in your life have to make everything into a life lesson, I get it. I see you. I'm not trying to minimize our differences, but I am challenging us that we cannot be unaffected by them. Each generation in this church is needed and matters. We need our babies and our toddlers to remind us of the life and the future hope of our church. My own toddler has taught me more about prayer recently than anyone else. We need our Kid City children and their big hearts for worship. Jenny and I and our teams filled this space on Wednesday with the children and the youth worshiping and praying and crying out in all of their worship words. It was amazing. We need our youth, our epic students. Each one of them is unique. Not one of them is like another. And yet... That's why they perfectly reflect what a mosaic is. Each one perfectly and beautifully crafted but put together for an even greater whole. Their love and the care they have for one another inspires me. We need our young adults and our young families using our talents and our ability to pour into the church the fire and the vision that we see God doing. We need families like the Claussons who invite intentionally people around them. They create a village, and I'm so thankful what they do for my family. We need the middle and the older generations to pour out your wisdom on the rest of us. Please, we're begging you. Us, the leaders, the parents, the people of the younger generation, we need your wisdom when it comes to leading and parenting. Please tell us how to parent or give us prayers. 
I'm so thankful for Miss Lynn Powell and our small group that meets on Monday mornings. It is a room full of women across generations pouring into one another and doing life together. And Judy and Julian, who in the summertime open their pools for all the generations to come and just enjoy life together. Church, so many of you already get this and you're doing it. Thank you for that. I want to challenge us to go deeper. So many of you have not allowed yourselves to be unaffected by each other. Keep doing it. Dig deeper. This is the exact call that we have as the people of God. We are called to be the sheep, to be the affected, to notice the hurt, the hungry, the lonely, the lost, and to care for them. Carolyn told us earlier, you can't mess up the kingdom of God. So how do we go from being unprepared, unproductive, and unaffected to being unstuck, unafraid, and unleashed for the kingdom? It starts with our prayers. I heard someone say recently that when our heart breaks for someone, we should intercede for them first and then obey. Parents, grandparents, teachers, and all in the room who have a heart for the next generation. Our call is to get on our faces and cry out for them. Carolyn challenged us to this last week. Pray for your homes. Pray for your children. And intercede for the families and the children of this house. St. Augustine, who was a bishop and a theologian, um, his early life, however... He kind of looked like a long and restless journey towards faith. His mother in those days would go and pour out her tears and her prayers for hours upon hours. It would later be said that he was a son of his mother's tears. Who are the sons, the daughters, the nieces, the nephews, the spiritual children of your tears? What are the ones that you have yet to cry? What are the ones you need to pour out in prayer? Students in the room, if you're struggling with the relationship with your parents or the adults in your life, I challenge you to start praying for them. It's your job also to raise up mothers and fathers of your tears. How would your relationship change towards them if you dedicated yourself to praying for them every day? So first, we intercede and then we obey. Obedience looks like spending time with God in his word and in prayer. Obedience to being unstuck and unafraid of building relationships with the whole body, both young and old. Obedience comes out of spending time with God. When you allow your heart to be broken for those around you, you simply cannot go on being unprepared, unproductive, and unaffected. I challenge you to pray and ask God how he would have you walk towards the generations around you. Maybe it looks like intentionally inviting families with children and students into your home for a meal. Or picking a specific family or a ministry to dedicate your prayers towards. There is a group of us here at Mosaic who are intentionally praying and fasting for our community. Maybe what God is doing is challenging us to be affected by our own prayers. Students, 
I empower you to seek out people in this church who you don't know. Ask them their names, introduce yourself, and ask how you can intentionally be praying for them and how you can intentionally be praying for the ministries that they're involved in here. I want to call us to a prayer time now. I want us today to cry out for the generation beneath you. My prayer is that we will cry out for the students in this house. They have a great privilege of growing up at Mosaic, don't they? They get to know all sorts of kinds of people. And it's a joy and a blessing. We want to pray that they not only get it, but keep their faith. That when their friends tell them about their church hurt, they can't relate. But their heart can just break because that's not the experience they had here. We want to pray that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and they wouldn't have to take the long way home like so many of us did. Students, use this time to cry out for, your, for God to move amongst your friends. So many of you feel like Mosaic and Epic is a safe space for you. Pray and cry out that God would show you how to invite your friends into this as well. That they too would be affected by the presence of God. Some of you right now need to come and get on your knees for the next generation. What will the next 20 years of Mosaic look like? Pray for those who are investing and pouring out. Pray for what God would have you do when it comes to the next generation. Chris and Carolyn and I will be down here if you need to pray with us. Go after it in prayer. Pray to get unstuck, unafraid, and unleashed to respect care for, and move forward together with the whole body here at Mosaic. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.